0: all right and we're back this week this time with yulia uh, a great flautist um who's putting out a new release with us and you come from russia right you were born in russia or was it just your family's heritage is from uh, russia? no i was
1: born in russia uh and i lived there for the first 11 years of my life
0: wow so that must be obviously then where the last name comes can how do you say your full name as like it's correctly done
1: Uh, My last name is Musa and it's actually an Armenian last name.
0: Wow. Man, that's so, there's so many questions to get into here. So much to unpack. Um, How did, how did that start? I'm I'm assuming when you were starting with music, it was classically influenced?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, I grew up in the Soviet Union. I was very lucky uh, that my parents kind of at, at an early age, I was four. They took me to uh, this uh, this teacher who had kind of an outside of of um, you know, it wasn't he wasn't affiliated with any school. He had kind of a club um, okay. lessons for young children to develop our um, musical ear, basically. So you know, we did a lot of uh, kind of game type things, and but it, we really got into a lot of uh, pretty. It, interesting uh challenging stuff so i I really owe kind of my perfect pitch and my perception of music um to to him to uh valeri brynan it's his name
0: so was that um was that when you first started with flute or is that more just like a general exposure to to music and just like understanding and hearing and whatnot or was it like piano or because like i know over here in this in the states at least you know like, your first exposure to music might be piano lessons or, like, choir or, you know, like, or for something in elementary. Like, what was that a little bit for you? Um,
1: well, that was, so that was for about two years, um, between four and six years old. And it was not uh, playing-based. It was, you know, more mm. music perception. So we did a lot of uh, kind of transcription of music. Uh, okay. We played a little bit of piano uh, just for transcribing chord progressions and stuff like that. We clapped. Uh, you know we listened to music but but it was mostly really kind of a the theoretical background to you know he kind of made it a, a fun way of us to really absorb all of that so it was uh, it was i think it was quite different from uh, the way kids are exposed to music in the states you know the first exposure because it was much more kind of in depth um the, you know the theoretical part of it
0: so when did flute come into the picture
1: um well then i auditioned for um the Gnesson school, which is a professional music school. It's like a K through 12. Um, you know, one of the two kind of main uh, music schools in Moscow. Um, and you had to pick an instrument and uh, my choices were flute, violin, and piano, you know, so when you're six or seven years old, you kind of, you know, logic is very interesting, I think at that (laughs) age, especially. So I thought, well, um, everyone had to play piano anyway. So I said, I'm going to get to play piano anyway. and then I thought violin was uh, too difficult. And so that so my choice kind of uh, fell upon the flute. You know, of course, I thought, oh, you know, violin is difficult and flute must be easy.
0: Right, right. Of course, the that's very, not really the case. Yeah, but yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. that was my thinking.
0: So that's so interesting because, um, you know, for for me, starting music as just, you know, poster child, I guess, here for music ed in the States. You know, we started band in like fourth or fifth grade, but there wasn't even a, a notion of this like K through 12 music program or music school like that until, you know, th- there's like magnet programs or whatnot for, for middle school and high school. But even then, you know, it's still, they might have an emphasis, you know, they might have the orchestra in, in, in the district or whatnot, but there's no music. So how, how do you feel about that looking back on it? Having like deciding... I guess so earlier, your parents deciding so early, or whatnot, that like music was going to be so much of a part of your life and all.
1: Um, I'm, I feel incredibly lucky. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was, you know, I feel like that was a really the right decision. And, uh, and my parents, uh, they're not musicians, but they always, you know, they love music. Uh, my mom played, uh, she studied music until, um, you know, when she was a child, um, so they were always very supportive um, of me, you know, kind of pursuing this, and and, um, and and they never pushed me, which is something I really appreciate. I feel like there's a lot of parents, uh, you know, especially like musician families, that there's a certain kind of pressure to kind of live up to uh, to something, and and I never felt that, so I feel very lucky for both the exposure that I got so early on, you know, to this kind of great resource, um, and also the support. That I got, um, you know, throughout, you know, the whole time, uh, right. and of course, when I was eleven, we moved to the states um, with my family. So, you know, then I kind of got, I, I went through the band program in, you know, the yeah. middle school and the high school here. Um, so, it, it was really up to me to kind of then decide to pursue music because it's much more open here. You know, you have many more options um, for, for, I guess, a career choice.
0: How, um, how was that, did that, was that kind of like, a? I mean, I'm sure, you know, outside of the whole moving from Russia and the USSR to the States was a big enough of a culture shock in general. Um, how was it in, in musically, you know, did you feel, uh, a little confused by like the, the influence of, of different cultures or or, like different, uh, music that you were maybe focusing on at that age, you know?
1: Um, you know, at first, um, I, I really kind of, I, I just grabbed every single opportunity that I could to play classical music. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I had the fortune of kind of starting a little bit earlier to play. So when I, when we arrived, um, you know, that that's about the age when other kids start the flute. So Uh I had been playing, I had about a year, I was about a year of playing ahead of my peers. So I kind of enjoyed this, you know, high level. And it was really, um, you know, for a couple of years, I think people looked at me as a prodigy and then they realized, oh, actually maybe not. Um, You know, so I really enjoyed that part of it, just the playing everything that I could. Um, And then I started little by little, I think uh, more in high school, um, I really started to discover other types of music and, um, you know, really kind of opened up a whole new world of just sounds, you know, the discovery of jazz music and, um, you know, Venezuelan folklore. That was my first kind of into Latin American, um, folklore. Uh, and it was, it was just, uh, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. I feel very lucky to, to get that exposure.
0: Well, and it's so nuts because, you know, thinking back, I think high school and middle school, you know, is probably where people are getting like that first exposure to jazz, you know, maybe mm-hmm. and through that like, you're kind of um, shown into Latin music through, you know, the, the the crossover and whatnot of like Night in Tunisia and Caravan and those, you know, Latin jazz standards, if you will, you know. Gotcha. Um, so it's nuts to think about from a, such a young age. There was uh, such a like an appreciation that you had, you know, for like all of these other cultures and their music and whatnot. Cause I mean, Venezuelan music, you know, is something that I even lightly brushed upon in college. You know, it's not something that I think I I naturally sought out or, or was exposed to. Um, how did you, how did the whole jazz and flute thing go? Because I think, and this might just be my ignorance, you know, playing trumpet and whatnot, if you're a reed player or a woodwind player or whatnot, and if you say, I'm interested in jazz, I kind of want to go that way, they go, well, you need to learn saxophone, and it'll be great that you can double on flute. Like Flute is not necessarily seen as a primary instrument to go about it. It's just seen as a benefit that you came from that way, and now it's a it's a better double for you.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably still the attitude. I feel like it's changing a little bit. Flute is, is starting to become... A little bit more mainstream, you know, a little bit more common as a jazz, as like a primary jazz instrument. But uh, we still have a long way to go, I think, um, before that happens. So,
0: so, who are you looking towards? You know, like who are your your figures that you because again, even now when I think of of jazz flute, it's more of people that I'm like, wow, they're really good at doubling it. And like, that's not, you know, like a use of Latif or, or James Moody, or or someone like that. Like those are the you know some of the first people that pop into my head. But yeah, who absolutely. Do you recommend um, people to look towards.
1: Uh well, you know, uh, an obvious um, kind of idol, you know, really staple of of um you know the, the flute, jazz, and classical worlds is um is Hubert Laws. Hmm. You know, really, uh, you know, played in the New York Philharmonic and and also a fantastic jazz player. Um, just kind of. He he's able to um, you know, to kind of marry these worlds of um, you know something that's a little bit taboo for uh, traditional classical musicians, which is improvisation. This idea of like playing something that you know instant composition, something that's not on the page, and yeah. and, and somehow creating that in the moment. A lot of uh, classical musicians have that fear, and he was the you know to me, he's kind of the first flutist to, to do that on such a high level, both, both worlds, you know, the classical and the jazz. Um, so he's definitely an, an idol. Um, but I would have to say, I kind of have to confess, I, I, um, I didn't listen to that many jazz flutists when I kind of started improvising and started discovering jazz. Um, sure. I, I feel like, um, when I started, I actually looked to other instruments and, and, um, tried to kind of get away from the, you know, the, the cliches on our instrument, you know, there's always those licks that we play that
0: right, are right, just right. kind
1: of to the instrument. So I listened to, um, um, a lot of, yeah, you know, a lot of Joe Henderson.
0: okay
1: uh, I, I listened to lots of Woody Shaw, all those licks. Um, let's see JJ Johnson, you know, so I tried to kind of, uh, it, vary up the instruments that i listen to you know even right. like the wind instruments you know, so it was like trombone trumpet saxophone to try to stay away from the very fluty things because i thought okay why well, play flute but that doesn't mean i always have to play uh you know what is expected
0: right now when you, you kind of brushed upon it a little bit the 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 stigmas if you will you know of like classical musicians versus jazz musicians and this concept of like improvisation um how were you uh, like viewed on that by your peers? Because in my perception, and when often a lot of like classical uh, musicians first start talking about improvisation, it's generally more how it applies to like um, more modern compositions or uh, atonal compositions and like collective improvisation in in, in that manner. Um, did you find it difficult to kind of feel like you were fitting in, or or was that you know, when you got to the college level and when you got to, to get past grade school and whatnot, were you welcomed into it? Like, how was that for you?
1: You know, I think actually the, the, at least in high school, kind of the, the musician's world is yeah. um, it's, it's such a, it's like a very special bond that, that you form with other uh, I don't want to say misfits cause we're not misfits, you know, but other <laughs> high school kids and high school yeah. has its yeah, own yeah, yeah. kind of things, you know? So um to be able to share, um, like a musical experience, whether it's classical or jazz. And I was able, I was really lucky enough to just do all the possible music, uh, groups in, in my high school, which is really, had a really great musical, uh, music program, performing arts program. Um, so I, I felt like that actually was a way to, to fit in, you know, to really try things. Um, and then when I got to college and I went to, um, I went to Manhattan School of Music, and uh, of course, in that day, they didn't have uh, a jazz flute major. So I applied for a classical flute major. I went through all of those stages, um, and then the first thing I did when I got there is um, I marched right up to uh, to the, the the jazz department office, and I kind of introduced myself, and um, and and I said, "Well, I want to, you know, play in the combos, and I want to audition." I want to take some jazz history classes, improv classes. I want to see what I can do. You know, what What can I do? And there was a little bit of pushback, I think. You know, they were like, well, okay, all right. uh, I'll Go ahead and audition. And, and I did, and I played in the combos, and it took some improv classes and, and uh, jazz history and whatnot. Um, so it was a really nice experience. It, you know, it it took a little bit of pushing in the beginning. Um, yeah. but I felt that 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 was actually the only thing is that it was pretty separate from my classical music degree that I was pursuing at the same right. time. You know, so it was like, uh, I did all my examinations are all classical. It was pretty, um, kind of narrow track. Um, but I will say that I was very lucky that, um, my, my flute teacher, my private, uh, studio flute teacher, Maria Martin, uh, has was so, uh, supportive the whole time you know and, and she really understands that it's all about the music you know it doesn't matter the type of music it's still music right. so it's right, it's, right. A, it's a form of expression so it's really uh feeling pretty lucky so far
0: no I mean that's great you know I think there's there's sadly a uh, some caution that that might rightfully have come to you know where people are coming up that uh, people studying quote unquote jazz or whatever in school, because I think there's some notion that like, if you want to do anything pop related or whatever, like that's what you go check out, you know? And, but you're, you're right. At the end of the day, you know, what, like, what are we? Like, I'm a trumpet player. You're, you're a flautist Like, you know, and and so much more than that. It's just music. You know, there's music you want to play. There's music you don't want to play. Like why lock yourself into one set of rules, you know?
1: Exactly. And I think so even more so now that we kind of have to, uh, make our careers as musicians, as freelancers, you know, because there's not, it's not like you're gonna have, uh, audition for an orchestra and just play in that, you know, very, very few are kind of lucky enough to do that. And then, you know, it's still, it's, it's a really risky kind of choice and it's a very narrow, very focused kind of, um, path. Um, but I feel like there's a lot more blurred lines between the genres, between the styles and even classical musicians have to really kind of get their improv chops up, you know, have to be ready to be flexible with things.
0: Right. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about the, the status of music today, you know, and which, which kind of brings me to the next question of this release you have coming up, uh, comes out June 19th, Yeah. you know, and I know that you did a master's in performance and composition, I think. Um, how has all this influenced you? Because to me, it's so interesting, like YouTube and the technology that's available now. And it feels like all of these composers and uh, uh, performers are so more like aware of other cultures and how that music is. And you find a lot of people, you know, finding these interests, whether it's in Armenian music or whether it's, you know, Bella Bartok or or. Japanese culture or whatnot, and then expressing that in their music. So how have you done that? You know, having checked out various genres, being born in the USSR and and now coming to the States, like how has all of that influenced your writing? And, you know, can you find that on this, this album that you're putting out? You know, I know that's like a large question, but yeah, it's uh, sure. Yeah.
1: Um, let me, let me try to unpack that a little yeah, bit. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, so let's see. I, so I think in, in the end, I feel like it's, it's so hard for me to define, you know, a genre of my music, of my compositions, just, you know, simply because they are, um, uh, they're so impacted by all these, this music that I've been kind of discovering along the way through the years over the journeys. Um, and, you know, YouTube and technology has definitely been, um, you know, pretty helpful in that. Um, I think I started a little bit, you know, earlier before, um, you know, before YouTube and all of this became so, uh, you know, kind of gave us, gave us all of this uh, different music kind of on, on a silver platter. You know, we have this like sensory overload of all of these right. all this amazing music that we can now explore that, you know, before you would have had to like go to Armenia and, and uh, you know, study with a duduk master to be able to kind of hear that music now. Um, you can just kind of go online and you know Google it. Um, so I to to take it back, I'm going to try to compartmentalize it okay. because on this release and on, on set, I have a few compositions that are influenced by um, Armenian folk music, which is something that uh, I when I was in, still in college, in my undergrad, I started to get really interested in um, in my Armenian heritage. Um, I started learning the language, and I and I had these CDs. Of you know, I just started kind of grabbing any any the uh, Armenian folk uh, music CD that I could, and I transcribed a lot of them, um, and I started learning the duduk, which is a folk instrument. It's a double reed um, Armenian folk instrument. You know, so I started to try to uh, kind of imitate that sound on my flute. You know, and and um, so that that was my way of. Kind of connecting, reconnecting, I guess, to my Armenian heritage. Um, Latin music. I uh, when I was living in New York, I started to play with a lot of um, uh, musicians from South America. So I, through them, I actually discovered a lot of these styles and rhythms um, that I got really into. And I decided then to make that part of my uh, compositions. Some of them um, are on this release, on Um and then I was fortunate enough to be able to travel and tour a little bit. So I went to Venezuela a couple of times, um, went to Argentina, Colombia, Ecuador, kind of all over. You know, but and a little every time it was um it was like I got a little bit of something, some kind of musical input back. So all of those inputs then, you know, kind of found their way into my compositions. I don't I don't think it was a that much of a conscious thing. But it was, you know, something that, you, that I kept playing in other groups and I just kind of seeped into my subconscious.
0: Sure. So, um,
1: yeah, I think that's kind of, that, that's kind of the way I, um, I, I connected through that. So, all of these influences and then also Russian, um, folk music and the Ukrainian folk song, all of those, you know, tunes that I kind of liked and I like to play with them a little bit change, a lot of things around a lot, um, you know, throw some odd meters in there. Um, and all of those, all of that stuff found its way, um, onto this new
0: record. So, you know, you kind of touched a little bit on this, which I think a lot of people would feel the same with you is that whereas, you know, YouTube is YouTube and Spotify and, and all of that stuff is like a blessing. And it's amazing what you're able to find with all of these resources. It's extremely overwhelming, you know, and I think something that we hear a lot from educators, um, everywhere you go, is that they find students are not diving maybe as deep into specific things as much as they had been, you know, when you didn't have those resources and it wasn't as easily accessible to go from, you know, Joe Henderson to to Duke Ellington to Late Miles to, you know, R and B to whatever. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for your students now while you're teaching? Like, how do you help them go through all of that, you know, and 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 find some specificity and not get overwhelmed and just you know focus on it bit by bit?
1: Oh, you know, I wish I had a kind of a simple answer to that um, because we're kind of living in this this age of short attention spans. Yeah. Or oh, you know, in general, not just in oh. music, just overall. Um, and I, and I think that's what kind of separates the serious musicians, serious music students from anyone else who is just kind of enjoying music, uh, you know, surface is our ability to um, uh, and our desire to kind of dive further in. So, uh, you know, when I with my students, I think the, the the main thing that we talk about is how we perceive music, you know, how we kind of unpack all of. Um, all of the elements of the things that we listen to, you know, so I would take kind of one or two things and then just listen in layers, try to unpack each layer as, as it is. Um, And I think for a serious music student, that is the most fascinating way to kind of internalize something rather than listening to hours and hours and hours of, you know, one specific style. Yeah. I would say it's you know, limit it to a few you know kind of musical samples, and but then dive further in you know dig a little bit deeper. Um, play as much as you know. If it's if we're talking about performers, it's um, you know there's really no substitute for playing with other people. It's uh, I mean, maybe you can, can play with a metronome, you can play with the recording, but you know then taking uh, all of those little elements and then playing with them yourself is um is a really kind of necessary tool and i feel like music students if anything i hope um still have the the focus and the um what's the word i'm looking for the curiosity i guess to really stay with it stay with something for longer dig deeper
0: no i i think that's that's the best way to put you know like. Almost even maybe the nicest way to to say that we're obsessive. If anything, you know, it's
1: yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Oh, We are absolutely obsessive, and <laughs> uh, we sh- as we should be as yeah. musicians.
0: You know, and and of course it has its peaks and lows. You know, we're not saying someone has to have the attention span to play and listen to the same thing for nine hours a day. You know, everyone has its own uh, ebb and flow there, but it's it's tough. You know, it's it's tough, and so it's it's very interesting. You know, when you get. Because you can talk to anybody and, you know, it doesn't, they don't have to be born in another country. They could still be here, but have found a love in, you know, Brazilian music or, or whatever. And so it's interesting to see where everyone's, um, musical heritage comes from, if you will, you know, and it might not absolutely. be the same as their actual heritage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I feel like I, I can live in six eight. I, I feel the <laughs> most comfortable playing and six, eight and, and yeah. you know, living inside Argentinian folklore. That is my musical kind of, you know, comfort zone.
0: Right. 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 That's nuts. And it's, I think the, the most, um, like the biggest moment that it's, it's, it's not like the musician hasn't realized it yet. And they're just starting to is maybe like that first year in college, because that's when you're just starting to figure out, you know, like, OK, you up until now, you know, mostly everything has been you exploring on your own, you know, just liking what you like. And then you come in and you start seeing all the musicians it's like, wow, that sax player, like definitely listened to a lot of Michael Brecker growing up. Or, you know, this person sounds like they're from New Orleans, but like they're from Montana or, you know, someone right, else else's yeah. listen to a lot of Earth, Wind and Fire and whatnot, you know, and it's it's really interesting. Um, yeah. So here's, you know, the other side of the coin. I know you've recorded a lot you know, side man side, uh, you know, releasing your own stuff. Um, How has that process changed for you? Like, is it easier when you go in and you go to do the record, you know, because at first everyone's there's all this tension and, and stress, you know, from like, Oh, am I going to go in? Am I going to play? Well, do I have the compositions? Right. You know, how's everyone else going to go? Like, how was this last recording project for you? Is it just, okay, go in, turn on the mics. Let's, let's do it. Or, or, or what's going on there?
1: Uh Well, this, um, this last recording project was kind of a blessing in so many, you know, it was like a lot of things just kind of came together. Um, you know, usually when you go into the studio, uh, in my past experience, I've never had more than like a day and a half in okay. a studio. So you can't, you kind of go in and you just boom, 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 a couple of takes and that's it. So it's, um, it's kind of like a high paced, high stress environment, not stress, but it's, um, it's like a high focus. Um, there's, a, there's a certain limit, I think, to the sound, what you can do creatively when you're really thinking about the time and, and, and all those things. Um, but for this last recording, um, I, um, I was awarded a, a, a residence a recording residency grant by, um, by Berkeley College of Music, where, uh, which is where I teach. Um, and it's, it allowed, uh, us, the quartet and our sound engineer to go up to, uh, Guilford Sound, which is at, just state-of-the-art recording studio up in Guilford, Vermont. Um, and it's beautiful, too. It's a really beautiful place. And uh, we stayed at a house that belongs to the studio um, for a week. And we had um, five days in, in the studio, you know, actually six days or five days, you know, recording different material. So it was this luxury of time that I've never, ever experienced. And I don't think any of my colleagues actually also have, you know. So it was this... Wow. Um, yeah, it was a really special experience because it actually kind of. First of all, we recorded enough material for two CDs, so right. you know we've got this "Unsaid" my cuarta, and then I also have a, a a tango jazz project. So we, you know, we were able to really just kind of record a lot of material um, in in that time. But we also could work a little bit on, you know experiment with things, you know, which is something that I feel if you're pressed for time in a recording situations, you don't take as many risks as you do in say a live performance because sure. you, you know, you're thinking, okay, I only have this one take and I better not blow it. Um, you know, so you kind of, there's a little bit of a, they're a little bit muted, everything, you know, the solos and the improvs, I feel like we were able to get beyond that, um, because of the luxury of time in uh, for this recording.
0: Yeah. yeah so that, I mean, that was pretty cool. I, I agree, you know, because I think personally, I and I've always been pretty open about this, some of my favorite records are live ones, you know, and whether that's because of here in the room or, you know, like you say, you don't have that option of taking another take, or you don't feel like you have to play within a within a box, you know, because you only have a take. Um, But, you know, to kind of play devil's advocate, did you find having that much time made it a little bit more difficult? Because, I, you know, personally, I would think having that much time to, like, sit with my thoughts and, and hear the recordings over and over again, you know, I would run the risk of over analyzing things and getting a little too like, oh, no, that wasn't a take. That wasn't a take. You know, that wasn't a take. And just, like, beating yourself up that way. Because listening to yourself play, I don't know about for you, but it's not an easy thing for me by any means. It's so, always a
1: painful experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a necessary but painful experience, absolutely. Um, I think we were able to avoid that, you know, that kind of pain because I actually had, uh, you know, so many, so much material to record. Um, you know, we um, so we we actually recorded twenty five different tunes over okay. the week, which is yeah, it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot yeah, of music. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. Um, and then 14 of those are with you know are on on set on this new release that i have so it's it's a lot of music and um i tried to the first couple of days i listened to the takes you know in the evening just to see if, if you know if there's like one i could live with
0: <laughs> and right. Uh,
1: right. um but then as we kind of got into it i actually kind of stopped was, you know it was just a lot of material to listen to. And, you know, after a while um, you have to kind of give your ears a little bit of a break. That was right. the only thing that was a little bit difficult just because it was like so much uh, like output, output, output playing every day. Like a, it really, a, a lot of sound all the time. And I felt like at the end of it all, my ears needed a little bit of a, just a break. It was like sensory Absolutely. overload.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, you know, a mental reset and, and prep for day two, you know, and that's, You know, okay, that makes that makes more sense. You know that that because it's not like you're going in there and you know taking twenty three takes of "there's no greater love" or something. You know, there's
1: right, no, no, no. And we actually did just a few takes of each tune, so it wasn't you know it wasn't um, overwhelming in that sense, which is which is great. I feel I think that's a danger. You know, usually when you really kind of say, "Oh, okay, let's just do one more take," and then you end up with like eight takes. Right. something that you have to listen to it all
0: yeah so now you've done uh a couple of projects that we've talked about you know this past recording was different you know you had all that time in the recording studio how have you learned um and and your process has evolved you know with everything after the recording date because i think so many younger musicians and musicians that might not be um as experienced in recording you know everything's built up to that recording date and they kind of forget about the push afterwards, you know, the publicity and the, and the promoting of the album and, and the booking of the tours and all of that life. Like how has that changed for you? What have you learned from it? And, you know, even if so, what are some things that you hope you do maybe a little different next time?
1: Um, that's a, that's a great, question. great few questions. Let me, let me try to yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: go go in order. Um, you know, so one thing is that's always been really difficult for me is just, you know, listening like you when you record something it's kind of like you know this is going to sound like a really crude uh, analogy but it, it, it's like giving giving birth right you have this this you kind of got rid of you got this this uh communication out you got all those yeah. tunes out and then um and then it's like okay I'm done but it's it's actually just the beginning and uh, it's always been really difficult for me to listen back to what I you know, record it and then listen to all the takes and pick that and then, you know, work on the mix. Um, and I've actually found that in this re- this recording, uh, this experience, I'm so happy with um, the way things turned out. You know, partly, I think, because, you know, we of, uh, of a really special group of musicians involved in the project, um, that definitely, you know, it's it a great kind of very rewarding experience. Um, and so it was, it was actually kind of cool to listen back to some of these takes and like, oh, I didn't remember, you know, we yeah. did that. All right. Nice. Cool. Um, so it was, it was, um, you know, still hard work, but I'm, I'm really happy with the end result. Um, and in terms of, uh, publicity and, and all of these things, I'm, I'm, you know, very thankful to outside music to kind of for, for guiding me through this process, which is something that as musicians, we're not really equipped to, to do all that much because it you know it was never really up to us before. Yeah. You know, but now it's we really have to kind of book our tours and do all of this stuff and, and promote ourselves and do the social media stuff. Um so it's it's been kind of a sharp uh learning curve, I would say. But um but definitely all good. Uh the the tour thing, the organizing <laughs> um has been kind of uh hindered by, you know, this whole yeah. crazy situation we're living in. So um, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see what happens with that. I, I think I've really had to, um, kind of adapt to this, you know, we did actually a, a, a quartet concert that was live streamed, you know, so it was like a pre-release, right, CD, right. Uh, CD concert. Um, and, and I think that might be, you know, we'll probably do another one, um, close to the release date of, uh, to, to June 19th. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be kind of for a while, the way to deliver live music to people. Um, even though there's no real substitute to having a live audience and playing for a live audience, you know, we talked about kind of this difference, this energy that a live audience kind of gives back to the performer. Um, but, you know, I think this is kind of the, the way it's going to go. And I really hope that at the end of all this, you know, whenever that happens, that, um, you know, we really kind of, as a society, realize the importance of the arts and, you know, this this hunger for live art being brought, you know, whether it's theater, whether it's, you know, music performance. Um, I'm kind of, you know, curious to see actually what it will be like, you know, to book a tour, what if it'll be even possible, feasible. Um
0: yeah, yeah, I, that's, I, I think mean, to
1: to be continued to be decided. Right. Still,
0: I mean it's it's tough because you know, part of me is hoping everyone is just sitting at home and and there's like they're going stir crazy and and you know getting excited to go see your next concert, you know, but you don't you don't know, and we won't know until um things come out, you know. But you did hit on another point, you know, talking about how um artists aren't used to this, you know, having to promote their music in in such a way and. Because, yeah, we used to not have as much of that responsibility put on us, but it's also, uh, at least in my perspective, you know, we get so emotionally caught up in this stuff because you have to be uh, to do it at such a level that you don't ever actually practice, you know. How should like? Why should someone else listen to this? Because you're you're, you just you just see one side of it, you know. And and oh yeah, no, we definitely
1: take it for granted too. Yeah, say you know, yeah, this is of course this is my creation. You just assume that everyone else wants to hear it,
0: right? And 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 you know, obviously we we chose to do music because uh that was our better way of expressing yourselves. You know, maybe that was what came naturally. So then trying to figure out how to put all that into words, oof. I don't know about you. That's not that's not my strong suit at all
1: yeah i mean my my album is called unsaid that's that you know just shows how bad i am with words in general i speak three languages and all of them (laughs) are just not enough to actually express what you know
0: it's it's hard man and but see then all the people that we feel like are great with words they say so little words but then you're like wow that was deep and it's like Okay, man. Where's where's the line here? You know, is it is it no words? Is it all the words? Like, how do yeah, we do? it's
1: finding the right words. It's kind of like this, yes. you know, with, it's the same with sound. There's silence is important, and uh, you know, few notes it can it can kind of be enough to say what you need to say.
0: Right, right. Well, so what is you know, kind of wrap this up. We got the album coming out. It is today. It is May twenty eighth as we're recording. This album comes out a little over two weeks now at this time. What do you have coming on? Do you have you you have videos coming out. You got, I know you're talking about possibly trying to do another live stream. Like what is Yulia's life right now? Like what, what is going on musically?
1: Um, you know, I've been playing a lot at home, actually recording some, uh, videos of, of, you know, music, uh, that I've been wanting to, to do for a long time. Um, so I've been actually recording more at home and recording some videos and, and, um, you know some argentinian folklore and some other stuff so i've been trying to just kind of stay busy as as busy as possible um and, and yeah just trying to play as much music as i can um i have a single coming out from the album on set that's going to come out next week right. on june 2nd um so to give to give my friends a little preview um and yeah, just kind of to starting to, you know, trying to keep going, really, not not really stop with, with the music.
0: Right. All right. Well, hey, we all get that difficulty, you know, trying to, to keep pushing, you know, now we sadly have all that time for writing new tunes that we've all been claiming that we needed, you know? And
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, now I have no excuse. It's right. actually kind of nice. It's been, you know, I've been actually doing some of the things that I've, just been too busy over right. like, the last couple of years to to do so I'm you know I feel like you know I'm I'm finally getting to explore music and um, doing some arranging things that, I, that I've planned right. Um, right right. I'll have to just learn how to promote them when I'm you know <laughs> when I'm done with them but that's that's another uh, that's for another conversation.
0: Hey, well, look, I know we're excited for the, for the album to come out. It's coming out June 19th, uh, single next Tuesday on all digital th- Spotify, iTunes, uh, Napster. Is that still a thing? I don't know if people are using Napster, you know, whatever, but it, it's out everywhere. Um, thank you again for coming on, Yulia. And, uh, thank
1: you so much. I'm
0: glad it's coming to fruition.